Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation, the last one before Christmas, and we're going to gift everyone with a pretty good episode to get you on your way with some of the events that are going on this weekend because men's basketball is back in action, and as we're going to talk about, the women's team, they resumed action after their nine-day break from finals, and we're going to talk about their LaSalle game in just a bit, but first, before we talk about any basketball, we got to dial it back because yesterday was the start of this new three-day signing period where high school players can choose to officially sign early. They'll have a three-day window, make it official. Otherwise, they'll do it later in February, like the usual date. But football has followed the footsteps of basketball in having this early signing day period. Chris, what can we take away from this new batch of cats that will be coming in playing for Mark Ferrante and repping the V's on the gridiron. Yeah, Coach Ferrante got a, a nice little haul here right before Christmas that should make his holiday just a little bit more sweeter. There's two notable incoming freshmen for the Wildcats that I think we should point out, and it's uh, Garrett Zobel of LaSalle College and Kwasin Townsell of St. Joe's in New Jersey. And as I was ta- talking to you off air, there's about a thousand different high schools named St. Joe's in New Jersey. This one is in Hamilton, New Jersey, which is Atlantic County. So Zobel, defensive lineman, he earned first-team All-Catholic League honors, and he took unofficial visits according to Philly Inquirer to Penn State, Maryland, and Michigan State. So the fact that Villanova was able to get him when he was going to visit high-end D1 schools with Penn State and Michigan State, Maryland, not so much. That's a pretty big get. And then Townsell, he was Philadelphia Inquirer's South Jersey Player of the Year last year. And then you're actually getting a former NFL player's son with Kadir Ismail. He's from Bel Air, Maryland. He's a quarterback, and he is the son of Kadri Ismail, who I believe has made several ESPN appearances as an analyst. Yeah, the missile, as he was called back in his playing days when he played at Syracuse and then ultimately went on to play for about a decade in the NFL, even won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens back in 2000. But yeah, Ismail, he's a big boy, 6'7", six, 6'7", seven, six seven, and he's going to be a quarterback. So have fun tackling him, and he will have no problem seeing over the offensive line. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. You always have a concern with that with quarterbacks, especially at a Division One AA level or FCS level now. There's no no issues there. This class is pretty much highlighted both on both sides of the of the trench here with offensive linemen and defensive linemen, which, you know, with that those type of positions, you really just have to get what you can get. It's it's more of a quantity over a quality, especially for a school like Villanova, just because of the rash of injuries they've suffered in the past and offensive linemen are very, very fragile. But at the same time you need all the bodies you can get. So that's that's pretty big that they were able to focus on uh, the offensive and the defensive line in this class. Yeah, I know you highlighted Zobel, who is looking like he'll be a pretty good get bulking up that D-line. But I also want to highlight Mikey Taylor. He's the highest-rated prospect, according to 24-7 Sports. He's coming as a three-star recruit, which at the FCS level is a pretty big deal. He's from Flushing, New York. He looks like a big-time pass rusher, looks lightning quick. Play DN, tight end, and linebacker for his high school, Holy Cross, down there in the city. We love our pass rushers here. And Villanova, we're a very defensive-oriented team, or at least we have been, especially over the last few years. And one thing that we definitely needed this year, at least I thought, aside from everyone being healthy and making the injury bug go away, I thought a pass rush could use a little bit more work. And there's something to be said when you get the drop off 
from going from Tano Passanio to a bunch of guys who are just making their first career starts. So it's good to see a starter build up that bank, build up that reserve of defensive ends. He looks like he's a big time gamer. He looks like he's ready to play. He has a nose for the ball. I can't wait to see what he'll be able to do at the collegiate level. But yeah, he's looking pretty good. Our pass rush, we were last in sacks after leading the conference just a year earlier. So it's good to see us bulk up there. And aside from that, Ismail, pretty good get to fill up that void at quarterback because we lost Kyle McCloskey. For those of you who haven't heard the news, he's choosing to leave Villanova and trade his shoulder pads in for a shooting sleeve, some basketball shoes, and hopefully start a career on the hardwood. So quarterback's definitely needed. And yeah, a lot of linemen, a lot of defenders. Overall, a pretty good class. 12 signees yesterday. And if you're Mark Fronte, that Christmas dinner is going to taste real good. And Christmas came a little bit early for him because now he doesn't have to be stressing over these guys. Because a lot of coaches will tell you there's a lot of verbals. And yeah, those are nice. But nothing's going to feel really good until the ink's on the paper. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think you were saying to me before that the, this was like kind of early. Yeah, it's usually in February, but this year the NCAA has opened up or has followed in the footsteps of basketball by having an early signing day period for football. It's only a three-day window, so high school athletes out there all, all across the country will have only until tomorrow to send in their letters of intent. But if not, they're going to have to wait until February and we'll have the normal signing day. But for now, there's this three-day window, and it's good to see a lot of Wildcats, or soon-to-be Wildcats, pounce on that opportunity. Twelve guys, we'll probably get a few more people trickle in, a couple of walk-ons, preferred walk-ons here and there. We have put up an extensive list, profiles, on each of the guys that signed yesterday. So check back on viewhoops.com, and if you want to read up on the guys, each profile's there. Scramble to put it together yesterday. And glad to have all the guys that have signed on there. We have some exciting athletes that are going to be coming to Villanova Stadium. Can't wait to see what they'll be able to do. As for that, we're going to put football back in the box and put it back on the shelf. And we'll open it maybe back in February or at least until the summertime. Because now we can focus on hoops. And if you're the women's basketball team, you weren't rusty at all. You took your finals. You were down by two after the first quarter. But after that, you came out. Guns blazing and just absolutely leveled LaSalle at Tom Gola Arena as the Lady Cats are now 10-0 after winning 76-49 to yesterday afternoon. Lady Cats didn't have that great of a start, down by one at the end of the first quarter. And usually that's not really indicative of how Villanova's been playing this year. I guess you can chalk it up to rust in the beginning, but then like you said, Guns blazing for the second and third quarter, right in the middle of that game. They gave up only 17, 17 combined points in the second and third quarter, when in the first and fourth quarters, they gave up 16 each. So they just went absolute lockdown mode on defense. And then on top of that, Kelly Jaycott had a significant game in the first half. I believe it was 15 points. She had 15 points of her total of 20 came in the first half, so she was able to spearhead Villanova's mini comeback of sorts. As a result, they were just able to take such a significant lead that LaSalle really had no shot at that point. To make matters worse for the Explorers, their star player, their leading scorer, one of the, the stars of the Atlantic 10, Amy Griffin, the guard forward combo, she goes down in the first quarter with a right leg injury and doesn't come back. And all of a sudden, LaSalle, usually you have the luxury of a go-to player, now, all of a sudden, they're scrambling to find production. Mm-hmm. They go to Adriana Miller, who has 18 points, but she was 6 for 18 on the floor, which is just not that great, even though she had that 18-point outing. 
Yeah, it's a little inefficient for them. But like like we highlighted last episode, they kind of had like a big three dynamic, but the second and third options weren't that great to begin with. So now you're scrambling to try to find that lost production that you know you'd be getting from Griffin. And they just weren't able to do so. And they tried to spread around the scoring as much as they can. If you look at their at the box score, their bench was, they pretty much used everybody. And, and a lot of people had some significant minutes that probably wouldn't else have had it if, if Griffin was able to play. And Griffin was playing playing pretty well. She was four of six from the field and good enough for eight points. So if she stays in, it's probably a, probably a different ballgame. I mean, obviously, it's pretty much easy to say. It's no coincidence that her injury kind of coincided with Villanova making a, a huge run in the, in the second and third quarter. Aside from that, Villanova's defense was once again locked down, holding LaSalle to shooting just 32.7% as a team on the floor overall. Another great effort on that side of the ball. But then you look on offense, Jaycott had a nice game. But aside from her, Adriana Hahn, Alex Lewin chipping in 13 points each. Bridget Herlihy coming in off the bench, adding 12 points. Her sister, Brianna, comes in, adds 10 boards. Also, shout out to Cameron Onkin for having her first collegiate bucket. She drilled a corner three, and now she's officially on the board in the stat book with her first college bucket. That's got to feel nice, especially after redshirting last season. Yeah, most, most certainly does, probably. It looks like Villanova was able to use some of their players who are on the lower end of the bench there and to get, get some minutes, because this was the type of game where you can absolutely bring in these type of players, get them their minutes, get some burn, and, and rack up some uh, milestones while they're at it. So with the win, Villanova has at least locked in a share of the Big Five title. The only team that they haven't played yet is the Penn Quakers, and right now Penn is 3-4. and four. I'm going to go ahead and pencil Villanova in. I know the two teams won't play yet until mid-January, but I think it's safe to pencil in the Wildcats for an outright Big Five title. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Penn hasn't, look, hasn't looked all that great. Uh, they've been struggling. They, they, in fact, lost to LaSalle. Transitive property there, so therefore we should beat them. And the fact that it is at Villanova and the fact that the Lady Cats have been playing pretty well there, I don't think they should have any issues Obviously, long ways away. You never know what can happen. But at the same time, if just early prognostications suggest that Villanova should win the Big Five. Yeah, Penn is the defending Ivy League champion. Obviously, though, we will not get an answer to that question until January to see if Villanova does get the outright title. But for now, they do have at least a share. But a win in that mid-January meeting with Penn would finish off the sweep and give them the outright title. But that's a while away because the Cats are going to finally start conference play going down to Omaha. They're going to take another nice little break here, a nice little eight-day stretch before they hit the court again. They'll be down at DJ Sokol Arena to play the Creighton Blue Jays. But that is a while away. But for now, Chris, it's good to see that these Cats are 10-0. And hopefully they build on it because now – the competition, everything, it's going to step up. It's about to take a huge step up. Yes, it is. You got two huge road games with Creighton and Providence uh, coming up next week. But at least now, you can go home, enjoy the holiday. You're sitting at 10-0, top of the Big East. That's pretty impressive. Where you have to say, well, I don't think we were expecting this at the beginning of the year. And this has been a pleasant surprise so far. And like you said, Big East play, everything's going to step up. It's going to be a grueling schedule. So obviously, you're going to expect them to drop a couple. But at the same time, the way they're playing, I, I think they could probably win this conference. Or at least compete for that top seed uh, regular season. And then you never know what could come tournament time. But 
they got to feel pretty pretty good about themselves right now. Yeah, if you are not on the hype train already, I highly recommend hopping on right now because there's plenty of room on here, and it's going to be a fun time. It's been a fun ride so far, and it's good to see them enter conference play doing the best that they could possibly do, 10-0. Perfect undefeated record. It's a great way to start conference play and give you that much-needed confidence and morale boost to go in and kill it by the time you have to go through each and every Big East team. The ladies' Big East opener against Creighton is still a while away. We're going to hold off on previewing that and discussing that game for the next episode. So we will instead talk about something that's actually coming up, and it's coming up tomorrow night, and it's going to be a big night. It might not be a big-name opponent. It might not be a blue blood, but it is a special night in that it'll be Jay Wright's homecoming because he's taking his cats to Long Island, to Nassau Coliseum, and they're going to play his old former team, the place where he started off as a head coach, Hofstra. They're going to take on the Hofstra pride. Chris, how you feeling about this? Jay Wright's homecoming? It's been a while. These teams have not played each other since 97. That's a long time. We were a grand total of three years old at the time, so we're now sitting at 23. So it's 20 years. It's a long, long, long time. This is a weird game. I mean, they're not very good, as we will get into in a little bit. It, it is nice that I guess we're kind of going out there and Nassau Coliseum, so I guess there's a little historical value to it because of uh you know, i don't know just like as a hockey venue i like it i know it's basketball but still at the same time yeah hasha man w- what can we really talk about with them i mean their leading scorer is justin wright foreman averaging just over 23 points per game shooting about 42 percent from the field not so great from deep eli pemberton is their next big scorer and and with between him and wright foreman are the only two averaging double digits in points he's got just under 18 points per game and he's shooting about 48% from the field. And uh, lastly, Rokas Gustis, I guess that's how you say his last name. He's got... Gustis. Gustis. Gotcha. Yeah. Under nine points per game, but he's got... He's a pretty big boy. He's, he gets ten and a half boards per game. Look for Eastman to uh, have his work cut out from, and I guess Omari as well. From the field, he's shooting 57%. But that's probably due to all the close range stuff, but he's more of a uh, board attacker in that regard. But yeah, it's, I guess... At Nassau, technically a home game for us. I'm sure we'll have a lot of fans out there. I don't know if really Hofstra has much people going out there for them. So it'll, it'll be interesting. It's a weird warm-up, I guess, to the Big East play. But, hey, you know, it's a homecoming for Jay, and I guess you can look forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be a special night. This is the school where Jay made his head coaching debut after serving as an assistant for so many years at a few different schools. Going back to where, to the first program that he built up, because Hofstra before he came there was not that good at all, not that good. No, they were not. What's What's interesting is that Jay actually played the Cats twice during his time there at Hofstra, so now he's on the flip side, and this will be the first time that he'll be playing against his former school, his former team. But in case if anyone was curious. He was not so lucky against the Cats. He lost both meetings to the Wildcats when he was the head coach for Hofstra. One was a double-digit game, and then the other was a blowout a la Kerry Kittles, who just absolutely destroyed or helped the Cats destroy Hofstra, and they won by almost 40 points. Now this time around, Jay's on the flip side, and I'll be honest with you, Chris, I think we're going to see a 40-point beatdown, but this time it'll be Jay's team doing the beatdown. Uh, I'll, I'll take that. I'm, I'm on board with that. 
I'm on board with that for sure. I, I think really Hofstra, the only way Hofstra would have a chance is if Feedy Claxton went back in a time machine and came back and played for Hofstra somehow. And I still think Villanova will win by at least 35. Yeah, this Hofstra team, they're very offensive oriented. They do not even try on defense. I, I don't even know if they pretend <laughs> to try. I mean, it, it looks like they pretend. So I'll give them props for pretending. But this team, they just allow opponents to do whatever they want on that side of the ball. Yeah. They're 264th, according to Ken Palm, in defensive efficiency. Oof. They just allow teams to shoot well inside the arc, outside the arc. They don't really force turnovers. So it's like, what are they just standing there? Is is this is this what they do against practice? Is it because they're they're used to playing against chairs or something? There's just <laughs> something about this team that they put in all of their work on offense and then defensively they just let opponents do what they want. And it's not really that good of a look. So this is why I feel Villanova's gonna play a complete game. They're gonna blow out Hofstra. You're gonna see everyone get action, including the bench mob. Hopefully, we get a couple bench mob buckets, and this game is gonna be over. It's gonna be a nice homecoming for Jay. But you contain Justin Wright Foreman, and I think the rest will fall like dominoes. I just don't see Villanova losing this. This is a nice tune-up game for Big East play, which is gonna start up after this game since this is the last non-conference game of 2017. They still have UConn on the schedule in January, but this will be it. For now, until Biggie's play begins. But yeah, I, don't, I just don't see Villanova not winning by at least 20. But I'm still very confident in 40. Yeah. I don't even know if Vegas is putting a spread on this game because I think it's just going to be that bad. It's one of those games. I got, I got to double check that. Maybe Hofstra has some luck on their side because um, the Islanders just got their new arena approved in Belmont. So I guess things are looking up in Long Island. So if Long Island's keeping the trend of good things going, then maybe Hofstra has a chance. But that's not, it's not, it's not happening. Hofstra, though, on Kempom, what are they, like 140th overall, which is surprisingly better than what we thought. They're not doing that badly. Yeah, no, it's it's fine. Their losses are against Clemson and Auburn and Siena. It's funny that you brought up luck from the Nassau Coliseum where the Islanders getting their new arena approved. Yeah. Because according to Kempom, they're actually the fifth luckiest team in the country. And I don't even know what yeah. that entails, <laughs> but it's there. It's an, I think it's one of those like novelty stats. Yeah, I would like to know. I, I would really like to know how that's calculated. I mean, for baseball, they don't really have a luck factor, but I kind of always use what they have like a Pythagorean expected record where based on runs scored and runs allowed, the record should be this and whatever their actual record is, I guess that just kind of depends on how lucky or how unlucky they are. So I guess I'm kind of guessing it's the same with college basketball, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I'm not going to go ahead and assume. Also because, I don't know, Ken Pop has some crazy numbers and you never interfere a crazy mathematician with the crazy numbers. Mm-hmm. But I will have some math for you and say that the buy one, get one free ticket for tomorrow night's game, if you haven't gotten a ticket already, is a pretty good deal. So you should probably go ahead and do that. Yeah, I really hope this doesn't mean that they're really struggling to sell tickets. I mean, I, I mean obviously you want to kind of get as many Nova people there as possible. And you don't want this game to be a complete fop on like financially either so jay Wright's homecoming game will be on fox sports one tomorrow night tip off is slated for 8 30 p.m kind of late it's on a friday before christmas too like you know, the late start it's a weird time hopefully that means there'll be a lot of champagne and campaigning after the game. <laughs> especially jay 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 will be like oh no no we're not leaving on the team bus yet i gotta hit up all my old spots first before we can go back to philly 
<laughs> relive the glory days. Well, I guess he had more glory days where he is now. But yeah, yeah, the, the speedy Claxton fueled yeah. CAA conference tournament. <laughs> the young Jay. The young Jay. Yeah. Glory days. Yes. Current Jay likes his glory days now. If young Jay knew that he had to take these two big losses to a team that he would eventually coach, and that would culminate in a national title. He'd be okay with Kerry Kittle slapping him around or, or yeah. padding Kerry Kittle's stats a little bit. Yeah, I, I think he'd be okay with that. <laughs> okay, we'll be on Fox Sports 1. Catherine Ryan will have the recap of that game. It'll be on after the game is over. We'll be watching Jay Wright's homecoming. It'll be a pretty cool night. I hope that they have the ceremonies or whatever they have on TV or at least available on social media so we can watch what they do to honor Jay, because that'd be cool. First time in 20 years, so it has been a while. Or no, first time in over a decade, so it has been a while. But for now, we are going to turn our attention to our mailbox, because we have another nice stuffed one. We got a few good questions here that we're going to talk about. As always, you can leave your questions that you would want to hear us discuss on the show in the comments section, or you can tweet us at S-O-N-N-Pod, and it will find its way to us. And we're going to answer them just like this. First question from Ryan Dunphy. How much will the Gillespie injury hurt us as we begin conference play? Touched upon this a little bit yeah. last time, but not really in-depth. So, Chris, right. what are your, what, what's your take on this? Yeah, as I mentioned last time, I, I, I really feel that it's just going to affect us. It's going to affect us depth-wise, obviously. I and mean, I think it's going to lead to some tired legs. I mean, right now, it's really just Dante coming off the bench with the mild appearance from DCR and, I guess, Jermaine every now and then. Uh, Jay still doesn't have full confidence in him. So really, you only have two guys coming off the bench. If last year was any indicator, when you only really have one guy coming off the bench who's like really good and the other one who's just okay, uh, it leads to some tired legs and you, you're going to lead to some performances from your starters that you know might not be indicative of what they really are because they're tired or whatever it may be. They're also going to be playing a heavy load of minutes that might come back and bite us in February and March when you're playing back-to-back-to-back games. So that's definitely going to hurt. And you, you want to keep this team as fresh as possible. And I thought that was going to be a big key for this team coming in this year because you would have Samuels, Gillespie, DCR on top of Dante. That's four guys you can rely on. And now with Samuels' struggles and now Gillespie's injury, you really only have two guys you can really rely on off the bench. And so, I mean, and one of them, one's a guard and the other one's a guard forward and the other one's really a uh, front court guy. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a little difficult in that on in that respect, and I feel that it's gonna lead to some tired legs. But at the same time, I feel that they'll they'll still be okay. I still think they'll win the games they need to, and may drop a game or two. But I do hope that it doesn't affect them come March, and I think that's the real problem here. See, for the beginning of conference play, I know we have Xavier thrown in there and a trip to Butler, but I'm honestly not too concerned for the beginning of conference play. It's that month of February. That month of February is so tough, loaded with so many road games, back-to-backs, and against some of the tougher teams around to play, or at least some of the tough teams to play when you visit their arena. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more February I'm worried about, and that's about when, when he's projected to come back. Right. I, I do know that the school listed indefinitely, so we don't know what can happen. We don't know if he'll redshirt. We don't know if he'll come back maybe later in the season. But, yeah, I, I would like to see him back in March, back for the tournament and postseason, whatever. But for right now, like you said, you, you pretty much touched upon it. We only have two dependable guys off the bench, and his name's Dante DiVincenzo and Demir Cosby Roundtree. Jay has said it publicly. I would love for Jermaine Samuels to be the eighth man off the bench or the ninth man if everybody's healthy. And I think that's how everybody feels. Yes, Jermaine Samuels is not a point guard. 
He will not bring that playmaker off the bench that Colin Gillespie is. And I thought Gillespie was doing pretty well, doing doing what he needed to, playing within his role, accepting his role, doing a pretty good job off the bench. Dante DiVincenzo, he is a point guard, but he's not exactly a playmaker that Gillespie would be. I feel like Dante DiVincenzo is so much better off ball than with the ball in his hands. And so now you have Dante probably will have to play a little more playmaker minutes, maybe delegate that role with Booth, whatever the job may be. But yeah, just two guys coming off the bench. We saw what happened last year. Demir Cosby Roundtree, he's okay, but he's not he's not a guy that's probably gonna play twenty, but he might have to. Jermaine Samuels, he's not a playmaker, but he's gonna have to start eating up some minutes. Hopefully he straightens himself out or gets his legs under him. So we're gonna need him. Yeah, you can't exactly replicate what Colin Gillespie brings to the table. But yeah, I guess if you asked me four months ago <laughs> or three months ago, I would probably would have never said the sentence. We need Colin Gillespie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it is funny how this is coming back to bite us. I guess it's since it's Gillespie, it's not like the worst thing in the world. Like if this was like to like Dante Aaron or Reed, like a starter. That yeah, there would be we would be in some uh, serious trouble. So I mean, obviously you don't want to see the kid get hurt, and you want to see him develop. And this is certainly going to stunt his development. I feel like, I mean, I hope it doesn't. And I really want him to come back, but at the same time, I mean, if. He had to choose one, not the worst thing in the world. And he was doing pretty well. And, you know, as a freshman, it's got to be pretty demoralizing, especially when you're starting to get used to the system, going out there, playing, getting better each game, and then all of a sudden it has to stop and be put on hold as you heal your wrist or hand, whatever it is. It's definitely it's definitely a heartbreaker for him. Would have loved to be, see him be healthy, obviously. This will hurt the Wildcats a little bit. More in the beginning, not too concerned for the beginning. It's more so the heart of conference play in February and the postseason that I'm most worried about. And that's when I think we can really start talking about how much it'll really hurt us because in those vital moments, it'll definitely hurt us. But for now, I think we can manage. Mm-hmm. It's more so for Gillespie's sake that we'd love to see him be healthy. February, March rolls around and he's yeah. not back. I would start to worry a little bit. Yeah, definitely with the beginning of conference play, I think we'd be able to mitigate the injury. But like, I remember last uh, last episode, I rattled off like four road games, but like four, like four of the six final games of the season are like at the four toughest road places with the four toughest teams in the conference. And imagine going back to back with the same starters, basically playing thirty five plus minutes. That's gonna be that's gonna be tough. So obviously, you hope he's back for then to at least spell him a bit and you know provide some decent minutes off the bench. This next question is from Joey Stacks. Go to pasta sauce. If I had to pick a top three, I, I, I mean, honestly it, honestly, it all depends on the place you go to. Like, there's some restaurants out there that have a mean vodka sauce. And I, I, I'm always for the vodka sauce. But my mother makes a great bolognese sauce, and so does my grandmother. And I'm just, like, that's, like, what I always look forward to on Sundays. Like, I specifically demand that. Well, overall, because you are right, some places do specialize in a certain yeah. sauce more than others. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's tough. I, I would go bolognese. That's just me. Well, what about you? I don't know. This might be a bit of a hot take, but I feel like marinara can be off my top three. Off the top three? Off, maybe, yeah, off the top. Yeah, off the top three. Would it make your Mount Rushmore, though? Uh, I, I guess just because it's just such a staple. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so so your top three would be what? Number one is definitely vodka sauce. Penne alla vodka, perfect. Mm-hmm. Number two, bolognese. Okay. Then so, number three, Alfredo. Ooh, forgot. I completely forgot about Alfredo sauce. I used to have that one when I was younger, but now, now I don't know why. I just can't 
eat it anymore. I don't know why, it just doesn't sit well with me. And as our friend Belson used to call it, uh, uh, fettuccine Alfredo was a big boy mac and cheese, which I always, <laughs> which I always found pretty funny. So yeah, I, I guess I guess my top three would be bolognese, vodka, and I guess marinara would be three. Yeah, Alfredo. If it is too creamy, it can definitely mess with your stomach. Yeah, it's it's a little, it's really really heavy. It doesn't sit all that great. Pesto is not that bad either. Oh I yeah, think. pesto. Pesto would be in the Mount Rushmore. Pesto would make my Mount Rushmore. I think pesto would be four for me too. I, it, it depends. It, it's I feel like some places do it weird and then. Like some other places do it right. It's it, it all depends on the restaurant or if your parent or their grandmother at home makes it a certain way. My mother makes a good pesto sauce as well. But. Oh yeah, I had a pesto on tortellini once, and that was really good. Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. That sounds good. Yeah, my mother tried to get like all fancy with pesto sauce. Like it was like a two to three year stretch where she tried to. I guess I, I don't know if it would be hipster would be the right word, but. She tried to get all fancy with the pesto, and she made she did pretty good. She hasn't she hasn't touched it in a while, but it, it, it's it's a good sauce. It's fine. Yeah, I love going to the Thailand restaurant and channeling my inner Brad Pitt in <laughs> Glorious Bastards. Now looking at the menu, and I'm like, Enzo Gorlami, <laughs> Antonio Margheriti. Yeah. <laughs> can't, can't just like can't pronounce butchering pronunciations like uh. I think I learned that it's pronounced uh, like, for example, chicken cacciatore. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea how to pronounce that before. Cacciatore. I, I would just point. I would just point at the at the at the name and be like, "This is what I want." <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, as a proud Italian, I still butcher freaking pronunciations. There, there. Sometimes I'll go to a restaurant and I'll do exactly what you do. I'll just ta- I'll just show the waiter waiter or waitress to be like, oh, I'm, "I just want to have this. I don't, I don't know what this is, but I'll have it. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but I'll take it." Yeah, but I I love Italian food. I, I don't think you could hate Italian food. It's so good. No, so no, good. It's, it's great. Makes Sundays between, worth it. it makes pizza, the pasta. Good. There's so many options. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's a great food group. <laughs> it is a food group. <laughs> it's a food group for me, <laughs> especially if you live in the tri-state area. It's a food. Yeah, group. It's it's really, literally the only food group. Next question is from Lenny Bex. How do you see the end of recruiting playing out? What's your prediction for who we end up with between Quinterly, Ramey, and Wills? Well, Lenny, as I've said. After the whole Javon Quinterly scandal-esque thing came out, I don't think we're going to get someone for class 2018. I think this is the – everyone, Cole Swider, Brandon Slater, that's it. That There's no more. No more is going to come in, unfortunately. I have seen Bryce Wills a few times. He's not too far away from where I live. Very impressive point guard, but he's been leaning Stanford. Courtney Ramey, can't say for sure. And Javon Quinterly, God, who knows? Who knows what's happening with him? Yeah, I think you even said Seton Hall's on Quinterly's trail now. Like, I, I don't know what's going on with that. recruiting's not my forte. Obviously, defer this to you, but just don't see us getting anyone right now. The way it's been, the way you've, well, from what you've told me and from what I've read, it looks like uh, we'll probably be striking out. I still think we strike out, unfortunately, but I think we'll be fine for next year. Last question is from Mike Jacobs. Cast this year's team as characters in Star Wars, any episode. Okay. Oh, thank God. <laughs> this is a great question. <laughs> okay, can we rule out any of the new ones? Like, first of all, I haven't even seen eight, and I, I want to keep it OG. You know, let's go four through six. Can we go four through six? Um, What if we have to touch in – I think we might have to touch in one through three for maybe one or two of them. Do you, do you have a burning desire to make someone Jango fit? Or... No, I have a burning desire to make someone Jar Jar. No, actually, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, actually. No, well, let's stick with the original trilogy. <laughs> 
do you want to make someone General Grievous or Count Dooku? Like, do you no. have a <laughs> desire? No, I don't have a desire to make anyone a minor villain that could have easily been exploited into a much bigger villain, but God forbid they ever did something good with those prequels. Mace Windu? Do you want to make someone Mace Windu? Uh, you mean Samuel L. Jackson? Sure. So I guess there's, there's a few different ways to look at this. Like, do you make yeah. do you make Jay Wright Luke Skywalker and then Yoda is Raleigh, or do you make <laughs> do you make Jalen Brunson Luke Skywalker and then you have Ryan Archie Diakonobi Obi Wan Kenobi? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, see, there are multiple ways to go about this, aren't there? I, I think the best one that we were talking about off air was uh, Omari Spellman as Han Solo because he got frozen and by the NCAA and then got unfrozen and is now unleashing hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frozen, frozen by the carbonite and then wants revenge on everybody. Yeah, exactly. And I guess I guess since Chewbacca's Han Solo's partner in crime, I guess you can make it Eastman. Yes, because that yeah, that would be his yeah, that would be his partner in crime in the paint. Yep. And then well can we can we make ESPN the Emperor? Can we make yes. ESPN Palpatine? <laughs> and, then, and then uh Darth Vader is the round of thirty two personified. <laughs> J Wright could be Yoda or Obi Wan. Well, I guess we have to decide. Are we going with J- Jalen? Has to be Luke then, I guess, right? J- Jalen, I guess Jalen is Luke. Yeah, we got to put Jalen as Luke. Raleigh's Yoda, and then Jay would be Obi Wan. Let's do that. I think that. Would you agree with that? Yes. 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 Oh, okay. All right. That's fair. And, so and then Phil Booth break? is R two D two. Everybody's mobile <laughs> favorite person. <laughs> He's, he probably has a robotic knee or something. Uh, who, who are we missing? Uh, uh, can we can we post? Uh, can we retroactively put Chef as C three PO then? <laughs> 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 the Phil and Chef show continue. What what do we where do we put Bridges then? Oh man! Oh god! Are we running out of characters? Are we just spending all our characters too quickly? Oh, uh, we still have Leia open. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I like it. I like. Yeah, he's Princess Leia. Who would trying to come up with a reason why, but he's Princess Leia. <laughs> Wait, who is? A uh, Bridges. Oh, 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 oh. It has to be a main character. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know if you would like that. Hey, well, I'm trying to think. It'd be uh. Oh, the benchmark could be the Ewoks. Benchmark. Yes, be Ewoks. yes, yes. That's perfect. That's a great one right there. Um. Yeah, I guess. I guess we should. I guess by default, Bridges would be Leia. I, I don't know other. I don't know any other way. Because him and Jalen are all American candidates, and they have force powers just like Leia and Luke. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Eric Pascal is Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Spellman is Han Solo. Han Solo. He is. He is a big talker too, so that fits him. Anyone? Anyone for Lando, the most obscure character who is now getting a spinoff movie. With Dante Donald Glover, Dante DiVincenzo. Oh, oh, but but Lando, uh, Lando turns to only. Well, I don't know if he turns to the dark side, but he betrays him, but then becomes good again. So that's like that's like Dante DiVincenzo last year. Just when oh. I thought he was getting good, he betrayed my 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 chest, <laughs> and then he got good again. And now I'm all for Dante. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I guess that kind of covers everyone. Dylan Painter, anything? The the King Ewok. <laughs> or he could be a wampa. A wampa. What the big, was the big ice monster? <laughs> oh, those things. Yeah. Him, him and Tim Delaney can both be Ewoks. Yeah, that's fair. 
with the bench mob. That's or it. or they could just be fellow uh, Wookies since they're really big. Oh, eh. but there was no other Wookies in in four through six, was there? I'm trying to think. I don't think there was. Are you telling me Chewbacca was the last one? Was he the last one? I don't know if he was the last one. There just wasn't any other Wookies. In the prequels, there was a bunch yeah, of Yeah, there were a bunch. Yeah, there was a player of them. Yeah. No player of them, but we're, we're restricting ourselves to the four through six. So, If anyone has any other better suggestions as to who we should cast as what, then please tweet at us. But I, I think we pretty much – I think we nailed it. Yeah, yeah, we would definitely love to know your thoughts on that as you ponder over your, your last-minute Christmas shopping yes. and how you're going to – park your car in a crowded lot and or how you're going to pass your time in a giant line of people also looking to procrastinate and buy last minute gifts. Well, but that's what Amazon's for Eugene. One day shipping, two day shipping. Yeah, I heard, I heard it might be backed up if you haven't bought it by now. Oh, well then I'm hosed, but I guess I got to go to the mall then, but I don't want to go to the mall. Nova nation. Have a Merry Christmas. This will be the last episode before the good old holiday. And I hope you all enjoy it with your families. Hope it's a good one. We might have an episode the Tuesday after. I don't know yet. Might be recovering from eggnog and playing with my new Christmas gifts. <laughs> so we'll see. But if not, we'll be back Thursday with a new episode. In the meantime, check back on viewhoops.com. We will definitely not stop. We will have the news. We will have your updates, previews, and all things Villanova Athletics on that site. So please check back and check often. Follow us on social media at View Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. Also, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You do get the nice treat of getting the episodes before they are posted onto View Hoops. You do get a little couple hours head start. So highly recommend subscribing. That way you can listen to us on your morning commute or whenever you want to, really. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or Podomatic. You have options. And also, please follow me, Eugene Repay at eRepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at the Stansman Twitter. Nova Nation, have a Merry Christmas. Enjoy the weekend, and we will catch you back next time.